LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with an old friend. Yeah, we are kind of old friends now, aren't we? At this point, it's crazy. We were talking about how old we actually are, too, which is a little unnerving. It's very unnerving. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the voice you hear is Jenny Catron, and she was part of the original... Uh, group that I'd put together, our advisory council, yeah. when I first came to Lifeway from McLean and you were an XP yep. uh, here in town at the time. And Tammy Hine was a part of that. Derwin Gray was a part of that. Aubrey Malfers. Yeah. Uh, you know, to uh, to give you an anchor there as well. Brad Lominick, um, Mancini. It was a fun crew. It was a good crew, yeah. man. It was a really good crew. Um, but uh, so... If you don't like the competencies that were developed within Pipeline, <laughs> blame, blame her us. in part. Blame me, right? Uh, and I want to tell that story really quickly. So there's a lot of people um, that, you know, will get on Ministry Grid and they don't, you know, they see it and they don't. I don't think they appreciate the depth of research and knowledge and whatever that was poured into it. So if you look at the core competencies that are within Grid, that started out as 287 competencies that we That's all— amazing, yes. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. uh, I sent to you guys, yep. uh, hey, what core competencies do you think that every volunteer to church needs, every mm-hmm. leader, uh, every person that's on staff, ministry director, and then senior leader? And from that is where all that came from. We went from uh, really divergent, you know, uh, views, everybody gave their own view, to a convergent view over the course of about 18 months. Yeah. Um, Gosh, that's, that's bringing back some memories because I'm remembering video calls and emails and great. all of the work we did. So that was like six years ago now. I know, <laughs> Five, right? six years it feels ago. like an eternity in it some was a ways. Long time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all that's a part of um, the, the warp and wolf uh, of content and condition, not conditional content. It is um, really the core competencies competency-based training model that's within GRID. Yeah. Uh, Making sure that you actually go somewhere. Uh, It's not a commercial for GRID, sorry. Uh, That's just how we originally got connected. So uh, you had uh, been there at Crosspoint as number two. You went out with John Ortberg as number two. Then uh, you've been coaching and consulting for a while now with – getforesight.com, which is your your group. Uh, then also it's jennycatron.com. Yep. A um, couple of different books. So Four Dimensions, uh, I tweeted through that book. Yes, you did. Um, yep. Tweeted through uh, Clout, Clout. Yeah. Um, which is a great book. I really liked Clout a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, that was one where, um, I'm not going to talk about book covers. I, I'm obsessed with book covers. <laughs> Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of dying say, to. I'm kind of dying to hear what no, you think. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, most people, most people dislike that book cover. Is I that where you're going? Like that book cover? No, you did not like it. I did not like yeah, it. Yeah, no, but yeah, that was a, that's the universal feedback on it. it. Yeah, I think it. I, we missed it. We oh, missed well. it. But I uh, actually am really proud book. of that content. Yeah, thank you. It's like I love that book, but we missed the cover. Yeah, we're not we're not promoting any books today. Uh, what we're doing is we're about to talk about uh, leadership and. The great thing I hope that you hear is, you know, when we're doing five leadership questions, really those questions are setting up a conversation. And so uh, I'm not quite sure where this conversation will go. 
Um, but I'm I'm really eager to to get started. So awesome. Tell me who you're currently learning from. Yeah. So that question always is a little tricky for me because I feel like I'm just one of those people that's always learning from everywhere and everything. Right. Um, but I know that's a really vague and generic answer. So <laughs> specifically, uh, my I, most people that know of me know I don't have children of my own. and uh, But I love spoiling everyone else's children. I'm like the best aunt in the world. And my, uh, my sister and her husband and kids live about two blocks away from me. So she has a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And they are like, they're probably one of my favorite places to learn right now is with right. the, with those two. Uh, I was over there the other night and they they call me Jace because mm-hmm. the four-year-old when he was little couldn't say Jenny. So it came out Jace. So I'm Aunt Jace to them. And all of a sudden we're, at, we're like sitting on the back patio eating dinner. And my nephew River says to me, and Jace, get your gear. We're going chipmunk hunting. And I'm like, gear and chipmunk hunting? And I'm so confused because if you also know anything about me, I'm pretty A-type driven, you know, right. like make things happen kind of girl. I'm not as spontaneous as um, one would need to be for chipmunk hunting. But um, so, of course, we go to the toy box and we pull out like buckets that become hard hats and like, right. you know, all this stuff to go chipmunk hunting. And uh, so there, that's a one of the really kind of fun places I feel like I'm learning is that spontaneity, that youthfulness. And I think because of not having kids of my own, you know, it's just so refreshing to me. Um, So that's one of the fun places that I feel like I'm learning and I'm learning different things about myself and just learning not to take life so seriously, you know, like just, I can get way too focused. Um, But then, you know, I'm, I'm always on the hunt for uh, what, where do I need to learn? What voices do I need to be listening to? And that's always a smattering of books and podcasts and Harvard Business Review is one of my favorite oh, things. Yeah. Like, so I'm on an airplane and I'm reading Harvard Business Review and everybody's like, okay, there's the geek among us. But right. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite resources. It is. It's good because uh, what it's doing is it's condensing a ton of information. They have distilled oh, that. It's so well researched. It's like it's seven like, times distilled information. Yes. Yeah. So, I Which, mean, I just devour those. And, right. Yeah. Um, okay, what else are you, what books in the last, I don't know, mm. six months to a year, would you say, is a, a really good read for church leaders? Ah, oh, that's a great question. Okay, so one of my favorites in the last six months, it, it has been out longer than this, but it was one of my favorites, right. was Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yes. That one just totally, like, got my attention in that our our inability to focus. And I noticed it in myself. If Strengths Finder focuses on one of my top five, but I was noticing that with just, and I think it's a product of our, you know, social media driven for culture, sure. the technology of all these tools that we have, and he makes a case for it in the book, but um, our inability or our are how much we're losing the ability to focus and to really do what he calls deep work. So that one I think is just good for every leader. Obviously, it's not a it's not a church specific book, but I no. think ministry leaders can find so much value in it. Uh, so that one really kind of rocked my world a, a good bit. Um, What's some practical takeaways from that, just so people know what they're getting? Yeah, I think there's you know there's some good research in it that remind that just kind of documents how we are we're we're losing, we're losing the ability to focus and literally rewiring our brains. Yes. Legit. Yes. 
yeah, news like, guys. Yeah, exactly. And so that alone will kind of stop you in your tracks. Um, and, and he gives some practical ways to, and he's not even, I know he wrote a social media book too that I haven't actually read yet, but he's not saying we cut those things out completely, but he's right. just going back to, hey, you've got to take responsibility for how you're focusing, what you're focusing on, and how you're structuring your world and your life to make sure you're doing the deep work, you're doing the right. deep thinking. And so that was super convicting to me. Um, made me kind of rethink some of the rhythms of my schedule and where I'm spending time. And even we were talking before we jumped on the podcast about working on my next book. And I'm realizing my discipline for right. taking time for writing has diminished over the last few years. And I'm like, okay, wait, but that's like, that's like core to what I do totally. and what I feel like I'm called to do. And so that it just, and I think, I think you'll find different applications based on, you know, what you do and, and where you need to focus. It's so. fascinating. Even the research that goes around. Um, so, you know, now you are starting to see companies actually being sued for the level of addiction that their games have or apps have. So Fortnite, for instance, is facing a really big lawsuit now. Um, just this is in the last 24 to 48 oh, wow. when I read this. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's it like the, the fact that design strategic uh, systems thinking mm -hmm. went into designing in a manner to be addictive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you look at apps like TikTok, and there are people, young people, and then uh, as older people stumble onto it, um, that are finding themselves like, where did the last 30 minutes go? Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, but I saw a lot of great things being thrown off of a dam in Australia. Uh, <laughs> And I don't know why. I just watched so many things. Uh, but I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be a bowling ball. Okay, that's interesting. What happens? When what happens? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. I need to see this. My life will be. Yes. So it is. Um, it is it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what's happening there. Yeah. I um, recently read a statistic that the and this is probably not shocking, but the millennial generation is the most connected and the most um, uh, lonely generation. Uh, and, you know, and, and it is, it's such a dichotomy of we have this connectedness and all these tools and r things that right. keep us busy, but we actually are not really connecting right. with people the way that we used to. And uh, I know that conversation has been had a number of times, but th that book, Deep Work, kind of brought it a right. little more to the surface for me of realizing what does that even look like in my like work life of right. how, you know, we just jump from thing to thing to thing to thing and we don't actually like deep dive right. into a, and a subject are, or a topic or a project. A lot of us are aware of it. We just don't know how to make to that get out happen. Of it. It's yeah. like, oh, I realized... Where yeah. did the time go? Or now I have an app on my phone that tells me, yeah. you spent this much time on social or you spent this much time <laughs> in email. It's painful. Uh, yes. Please stop sending email. This is a public service announcement to everyone. <laughs> Send less email. Less email. Thank you. Love it. Um, all right. So let's get into our uh, second question. What's the main point of emphasis with, uh, with your work right now? I know yeah. that... Um, you know, you went from leading teams at uh, churches to yep. now leading a team that is, you went from serving other teams, working, yeah. you know, in the church to working on the church. Yep. 
Um, what's that look like with your team? What's your main point of emphasis? Right. Yeah. Here? Yeah. Great question. Uh, so we, our team, uh, Foresight is about three years old, and uh, so we've, you know, we've had the first couple scrappy years of like, okay, you know, how are we? How exactly are we serving churches? My big right. passion is uh, helping equip leaders to be thriving and healthy, and help their organizations be healthy and efficient and, you know, just so helping, you know, I'm a strategy girl at heart. So, right. um, so that, that always core, but in this season, our team is really drilling down on, okay, what does it look like to, uh, just serve our clients really well, serve the leaders that we get right. to work with re- really well. How do we, the, the burden for me is just the weight that leaders carry. And especially when we're talking to church leaders, like right. there's just a weight. And I remember it. I was, I was in the second chair, wasn't even in the first chair, but you know, two large, uh, fast growing churches, you know, with great influence and impact. And, um, that the burden's heavy. Shouldn't right. be, but it is. And uh, so we're really looking at, okay, how do we best serve church leaders, you know, executive church leaders, executive pastors, senior pastors, et cetera. And uh, how can we help lift the burden? Like, how do we be an encouragement, a support? And, um, that, you know, that looks different for every leader that we're working with, but that's kind of the focus for us is, you know, we could, we could focus on a lot of growth but, um, you know, there's kind of two, two dynamics when you're looking at the, the growth of your organization or your ministry is um, perfecting, so to speak, the product of what you do right. or um, scaling it for growth. And right. when I was in the church world, you know, there was a season where we were perfecting what we, the ministries we did, trying to make those as strong as we possibly could, um, connecting with people, serving people well. And then of course we moved to multi-site and that was kind of our, our scaling option of, okay, how do we multiply this now? How do we do this with more? And, um, what I've noticed for myself and I see it with a lot of the churches that we serve is that everybody's focused on scaling before they're focused on getting what they do right and doing it well. And it's never perfect. Right. But so that's what we're wrestling with as a, as an organization ourselves is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what do you, what are you noticing? Well, okay. So, um, you know, we've been with about 4,300 church leaders in, you know, either a two day experience or longer, um, for pipeline. Yep. Yep. And so I would say that the very same thing, the biggest, the biggest misunderstanding and those who listen to the podcast are probably already tired of me talking about this because uh, this will probably be the third time I've talked about it, but we, we as churches haven't recognized the shift that the church growth movement made to kind of making baptism the finish line mm-hmm. and yeah. um, moving from maps to menus, all that. But it's bigger than that because it just comes down to math. Mm. And that is people used to come two or three times a week. Now yes. they come two or three times a month if right. you're lucky. Yes. And so um, meanwhile, we're still applying some of the things from the last several decades yep. of what you know, it was to grow. Oh, I need to be, I need to attract people. I need to um, have needs, you know, felt needs based ministries in order to. And so what we fail to recognize is there, there's so, there are too many opportunities. Uh Uh, Part of the reason why you don't have enough volunteers is people come less. Yep. Uh, There are too many opportunities. You're not killing off those opportunities that aren't <laughs> right. in alignment with your purpose. Yes, yes. And aren't deeply seated in the culture. Kill those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so all you know, I'm seeing the I'm seeing that same thing where it they want to focus on scale and they have mm-hmm. a blindness to mm-hmm. why they 
in yeah. part why they can't scale. Yeah. Because they've had either they've had mission drift, purpose drift, but it, you know, it, it goes back to that again. Churches don't drift toward simplicity; they drift toward complexity. Totally. Yeah. And it's you can't scale complexity. You can't scale nope. some of the stuff that you're doing, and that's one of the things that I loved about multi-site um, and doing multi-site as quick as we did it. We it forced us absolutely mm-hmm. forced us to make difficult decisions. Totally. And a big part of that yep. was in 2008. And so we yeah. started in 2005 uh, doing campuses, mm-hmm. and I was right in the middle of like the fourth or fifth campus when 2008 hit. And then you have you are forced totally. To yeah, you had to make some hard decisions there to figure yeah. out how do we keep doing this. Have with... you read Beautiful Constraint by any chance? I haven't. No. You... Okay, got to be on the list. Yeah, that'd be okay. on. The, and for our listeners too, Beautiful Constraint is all about we think that. Uh, we think that creativity comes with abundance of resources and innovation comes with an abundance of resources, mm. but the opposite is actually true. Yeah. It is a beautiful constraint that allows for major innovations in industry so and technology true. and everything to happen and major creativity to happen uh, in your church. Now, that's not an excuse not to give your um, your creative people um, <laughs> some budget <laughs> some budget but uh when they want you to do x y and z um challenge them uh to do to do something a little bit different or put constraints on that yep uh and watch what happens so yeah that's good that's uh, good okay yeah super fascinating but yeah that's i mean that's what i'm observing and again i'm seeing it in myself and then in the leaders that we're working with is we're so fixated on just growing up into the right as fast as we possibly can and there's there's some refinement of what we mm. do and getting it and 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 like you said the the dynamic is changing people's frequency of attendance is is radically shifted and so how are we creating what are we doing that is really connecting and engaging people right. in meaningful ways and have we got do we do we do we know what that looks like so that's that's what we're na- that's what we're right. navigating as an organization and then we're also seeing that with the leaders we serve and it's a discipline right i mean because every totally. leader wants to grow as fast as we possibly can yes. so i'm watching this tension in myself it's a funny dynamic you know i sat in a number 2 chair for 12 plus years and then the last 3 years i'm the founding leader of foresight and yeah. so all of a sudden i have this great compassion for senior leaders senior <laughs> pastors founding pastors church planters um because because you realize just that, you know, that that visionary that is in you that is so committed to the growth and the goal and, you know, growing as fast as you can to reach people you want. I mean, right. I think often, mostly, hopefully, that's a that's coming from a really authentic place of wanting to to reach people with the gospel. But um, but anyway, I'm noticing that tension in myself right. and I'm seeing it so much in the leaders we serve. And there's a really a discipline because it comes back to a stewardship issue for me that, you know, that we, we've we got to steward well what God has entrusted to us. And uh, if I'm just fixated on growth, it's not going to be sustainable if I haven't right. done the work to make sure what I'm, what we're doing, uh, we're doing as well as we possibly can. Good deal. All right. We started talking about something, and I'm just going to deviate from the questions for just a uh, little bit. I'll get yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Because um, people know that uh, I'm a big-time profiler and love different personality tests. Mm-hmm. Have you taken um, – uh, have you seen uh, Cockrum's um, – his uh, Five Voices of a Leader? I am familiar with it. Yeah. I, I, I'm familiar with it. Head. I don't know it super well, but I am familiar on, with it. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think I kind of explained and outed myself during the interview that I was like, I want to see if this is legit or not, because I looked at it uh-huh. and I love to reverse engineer things and whatever. And right. um, it's most, I mean, I'm not, I'm, most of the time we've done this, you know, I've done enough stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you have too. It's like, it would be really hard for me to take an assessment anymore and not know not what it's, what it's going to be yes. or, yeah, or for whatever, sure. or not know how it's constructed to say, ah, I see that they have made totally. these opposites and mm-hmm. it's on the scale. And I bet, you know, um, that was an interesting one for me because I, at first glance, could not figure out what it was. Oh. And that, so that's why I had him on because I was like, this guy, is this guy a poser or a prodigy? I don't really know. <laughs> but he was definitely legit. I have heard remarkable things about I, I I read it and I think I actually took it. When it first released, right, and then a, a good friend of mine, Holly Moore, brought it back up to me right. recently, um, and uh, and I was like, okay, I've got to dig. So now I really do right. have to dig back into if it. If you're interested in that, go back and listen to that episode with uh, Steve Cockrum, and there's like a link or something where you can go and do it. Uh, that's that's connected with that. Use that. Listen to it. Use that. So you'll get it. And that's, that's one cool. of. Friends of mine, that's one of their favorite episodes because uh, he, like, breaks me down. Oh, I love it. And okay. Daniel sat on the other side, and he was like, no, no, <laughs> during the whole time because he didn't want he didn't want him to start doing his juju on him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and then afterward, I can't remember if it's in the podcast or not, there's a certain point in time where he was like, hey, I know so much about you because I am you. Like, we have the exact same. Oh, uh, Profile. Yeah. Profile okay. on everything on Myers okay. Briggs. Oh wow! Everything. Yeah, so he totally had your so number. So he had my yeah. number. Yeah, uh, and and it was it was fun. Basically, That's cool. Uh, multiple times, I can tell when my friends listen to it because they'll be like, "Have you gone to London to hang out with that guy yet?" Because uh-huh. um, it was um, basically he told me, "Hey, just because you're not addicted to these things that are considered sinful, mm-hmm. um, doesn't mean that you're healthy." Uh, oh wow! You're addicted to busyness. But anyway, yeah. let's, oh. enough enough about me. Uh, let's talk um, personality profiling uh-huh. for a little bit. Uh-huh. So you work with teams a lot. Like, I do. That's a big yeah. part of what you do is go in and Yep, and go in and staff. work with teams, help kind of analyze what what's working well, what's not working well. So which ones are your favorite? And, um, and okay, so what are the, so uh, forgive me if y'all don't find this Interesting. I'm nerding out right now because I've got somebody else that will is very uh, <laughs> that loves the stuff with you. Yeah, that yes, loves the stuff with right? me. Um, but so, now we're going to see if we like the same ones. That's going to be okay. Our, yeah, go. right, right. Okay, so um, a little a little of what's going on in my, the back of my mind. My uh, my personality type is trying to read which ones uh, which ones you like. Yes, because. You know, because I want to have the right answer. Yes. Which shows that I'm an Enneagram three right. that is trying hard to make sure. So anyway, so that was a little, little, little a nuance going on in, in <laughs> inside of me as I'm anticipating this. So um, I, I will say this. My my counselor introduced me to the Enneagram 10 years ago, and uh-huh. I absolutely fell in love with it. It was a right. huge resource for me. Now I'm a little snobby because it's become the thing. It's become the thing and everybody and their mom... Uh, Talks about diagnose each other. Yes. And I'm like, you cannot possibly understand this. 
No, not in not. No. I mean, I I not spent, going through it for a day or two, and uh, even sitting under no or reading, like you know, yeah, a book or so. When I was first introduced to the Enneagram, my counselor took me through it, and we spent six months with a trained counselor right. before we determined that I was an Enneagram three. And so I'm like reflecting on that and going, we spent six months, which, and again. So, so the, the thing that bothers me the most is we could be, you know, we could be at lunch with two or three other people. And uh-huh. there would be somebody that would be like, oh, no, Jenny, you're an eight. Oh, you're an eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the, what bothers me is so many people talk about it um, more than anything else. Yeah, that that's kind of how I am now. I'm like, okay, I, I like... Yeah. The popularity of it now kind of annoys me. However, I do think it's still like when it's used well and it's used effectively, I think it's actually a really remarkable tool. But mostly for me, I, I love a lot of them. I mean, I've right. done Myers-Briggs for years. I like DISC. I like Myers-Briggs the best. Um, actually, I like DISC the best uh, in a team environment. Yes. Because the problem with Myers-Briggs and the problem with um, with Enneagram is like you need one of us to, to, to help. Yeah. Unpack it, yes. To help unpack it, which is yeah. why consultants like it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because once we're gone. There's a, there's a long game here. I can, yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, well, oh I need the three-ring binder in order to understand this. Yeah. Whereas a disc. Disc is a lot more simple. It, it's more helpful because mm-hmm. it's simple It's simple to understand. Even, yeah. you know, Smalley, Lion, Otter, uh, Beaver, Retriever, Golden Retriever. <laughs> you know, like... Even making it into animals, animals makes right? it even more yes. simple. And colors. Like, so, yeah. yeah so they have the, well, yeah. I'm a red, yellow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm blood orange, just what I say. Because <laughs> uh, that's what I really am. I'm a combination of those two. And, yeah, sometimes there's blood. Sometimes there's blood. That's good. That's good. What do you know? Yeah. My, you, what's my Enneagram? What, do you know my Enneagram? Just, just I don't know if out. I know your Enneagram. Um, gosh. See, I'm probably guarded because I know because I yeah because I know you can you can make some quick assumptions. You can make quick assumptions, but I would I would by by how I experience you, which is yeah. the wrong way to actually type somebody, right? In my opinion, because um, it's really about what motivates you. Because a lot of people do actually assume I'm an eight. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm right. much more motivated by the achievement thing. So that's. But anyway, I would. Ooh, Todd. I mean, I would let, I wouldn't, I would naturally lean to eight. Yeah, I'm an eight. Yeah. I'm an eight, seven. So yes. some people will I was, be like, oh, I, seven, eight, yeah. eight, seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, and I, mean, that I did feels, agree with it once I took it. And you're like, okay, like, yeah. Well, and I like I don't have to be in control, but I don't like to be controlled. Yes. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. So where yeah. I think Enneagram is strong is on the shadow side. Oh, for sure. Yes. That's where it's strongest. That, and that's the growth edge for it. That's that's one of the reasons I like it is that it gives you a path for spiritual growth and development. And again, if it's used properly, it it is not like you are fixed in your typing. It's that there's there's, you know, like I'm an I'm an Enneagram three, but the healthier I get, the more able I am to access the other types. Right. The more aware I am of the shadow side, you know, and what I look like in health, et cetera. So right. the thing that I love about the Enneagram, but there's a lot of depth to understanding all of that, is that it does show a path for growth. It does show a path for health and development rather than just the stereotypical elements of your type. Because I went through, I kind of spiraled out after like I got a 
reasonable understanding of Enneagram, then I was beating myself up for the achiever because there's a whole like deceptive thing that can be part of the Enneagram three. There's a manipulative side of the Enneagram three. And then I was so paranoid of my type that I actually like, like leaned away from some of the things that are healthy about Mm. that achiever in me. And so again, I think it's, it's, there's so much richness in it, but you gotta, you gotta understand it. I saw it. Uh, I saw it carved into Gargamel's floor on the Smurfs. And so ever since then, I've been like, that's not for me, guys. I'm going to stick with Myers-Briggs. Right, I would stick with Myers-Briggs. It's what are you on Myers-Briggs? Decades, it's got decades of data. I'm an ENTPJ. Okay, all right. I'm like right there on right the Right on cusp. the line. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm an INTJ. So yeah. that, that, that makes sense. My E isn't terribly high. Is as, it? As it used to be, no. Um, my, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a true I in that I rejuvenate as it in alone time. So uh-huh. like the truest definition of an introvert, I rejuvenate alone, but I'm, I'm really more of an ambivert by the, which yeah. Myers-Briggs doesn't have a category for that. Right, but right. anyway. All right. Uh, so sorry. You I was going to say, listen to that. I know if, if my husband sorry, is listening, sorry. he's like, there she goes again with all those letters and numbers things. Cause he's yeah, like, yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. No, but it really matters. Like it's super helpful. You, whichever one you use, uh, even if, even if it's a disc, it's, it's just super helpful so that your team can do two things. Number one, you know how to interact with each other and what sets people off and what doesn't. Yes. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is setting yourself up for success, positioning yourself to be successful. Um, so that's why, if you guys remember, um, for, I don't know, decades now, um, whenever I've run a future leaders or internship program or even here, uh, the one that, that we do here, it's a combination of strength finder, Myers Briggs, and emotional intelligence. Perfect. Because with that, Love that. yes, I can get, I can help a, a young person know. Okay, I'm not trying to put you in a box, but here's how you can position yourself to be successful. Totally. And P.S. You can't just say, "Yeah, I'm not good at email." Yeah, um, <laughs> and that doesn't, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not my strength. Uh, right. No, you can't. Yeah, but it is part of your job. Yeah. Um, no, I I completely echo that with you. That I think you know. You can you can poke fun and you can get a little frustrated sometimes with the assessments, but they're so valuable in self-awareness, self-leadership, right? Everybody right. needs to lead themselves well and with your team. And like, I love your example of when you've got new team members coming on, having them go through those assessments because you're really giving them a gift and helping them get some oh, self-awareness sure. and then help kind of coach them on what you see and how they're going to succeed within the team. Yes. But then it's, and it also is the idea of we gain perspective of how others think and how others are wired and just have a little more compassion for the uniqueness of, of each person on the team and what Unless they bring. Unless you're an eight. (laughs) Sorry. I love it. Just joking. Every church must be equipped to respond well in the initial stages when learning about instances of sexual, physical, or emotional abuse. And that's why the Southern Baptist Convention, Lifeway, and ERLC partner together to create Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abused. This training curriculum consists of a handbook, 13 uh, enhanced video sessions that brings together top experts from various fields to help volunteers and leaders understand and implement the best practices for handling a variety of abuse scenarios at church, school, or in your ministry. You can access these videos and this training and this book all for free at churchcares.com. 
let's move into our third question, which is, other than spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. what's one or two things that you have to do every day to stay sharp as a leader? Yeah, good. Um, I have to exercise. I've got to get out, and and right. and preferably outside. Um, I need nature. I need fresh air. I need to exercise. I need to move. That's big for me. And then secondly, it's time for reading and reflection. So beyond like spiritual, yeah. dis- spiritual discipline stuff, like I actually need to be reading books, reading resources, things. So I have a pretty, um, my morning routine is pretty ridiculous because like, I'm like, it feels like a luxury because I will spend hour and a half, two hours every morning between like personal spiritual growth stuff and then moving into reading stuff like just other like um personal development stuff or business reading or whatever I'm reading and um but I because my work requires me to be to to always be pouring out the input component of what am I where am I learning growing etc is super important so that those are my two biggies what are uh are there any like go-to resources that you would say hey you know, you got to use Blinkist or you've got to use, you know, you, you have to subscribe to HBR. Like, what uh, would you say? Are there anything like, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, that's a great, I, I don't. I, so I have a rule. One of my rules is I will read a book when it's been recommended to me three times. Okay. By people that I know and. Oh, because there are people that recommend bad books. Also. Yeah, exactly. So people that I know and respect, if they if they recommend a book three times, like if, if right. three people have done that, then that book makes my reading list. Right. Um, and then I'm choosing what I'm reading based upon uh, what are what are some of the big issues we're kind of navigating or I'm kind of navigating, whether it's personally or you know, professionally, like what are the things that I feel like, okay, this is a season where I need to learn. I need to deep dive into this, you know? Um, So one of the things that uh, we do a lot of work on is team culture, the health of teams. So I read a disproportionately a ton of stuff on that. Right. And um, so I kind of pay attention to what is the season, what's required of me. What's your favorite team book most recently? Oh, I, Other so, than anything written by Patrick Lencioni. I know, I because you know I'm a Lencioni fan. <laughs> he's coming out. He's he's scheduled for the podcast. Is he? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's awesome. It's you know he great. wrote the forward to Clout. Yeah. So, like, Lencioni is like one of my heroes. He's yeah. He's remarkable. He's a, a fantastic. So, yes, anything by Patrick. Um, but I really enjoyed Marcus Buckingham's new book, Nine Lies About Work. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed that. And it'll kind of, like, flip your thinking on... Uh, everything from how we evaluate employees, like, and yeah. how th- our evaluations of employees are actually a reflection of ourselves more than they're a reflection of the employee, that'll like bog your, like, totally like throw you. One of the things that's interesting about that book, um, we read it as uh, directors uh-huh. here at Lifeway. And um, so there's like seven of us. And it was uh, Earl, uh, who's been on a podcast, he does book breakdowns with me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, okay, what's what's like one or two that you absolutely agree with and one or two that you are like, no. Right. This is a lie about the lie. <laughs> this is a lie about um, the lie. And that was really helpful. So I would say if you oh, are. Oh, that's great. Yeah. If you, if you have a leadership team, um, whether it's in a church or in a business, I think that's a great book and that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Because everybody's going to have their their biases. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. I just like I, that he, like he stretches your thinking about it and it would make for a great conversation as a leadership team. Because I, I read that one on my own, but I bet reading it as a leadership team, that fascinating. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Good. All right. Um, let's go on to the next question. Uh, what does leadership look like now in your 
your home because you've mm-hmm. had all different kinds of transitions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a fun question. Um, yeah. Cause over the last five years we've moved, um, we moved from here in Nashville to California, then mm-hmm. now to Wisconsin, we're close to family and, uh, you know, so just a lot of life transition and I'm kind of at a stage of life where I was like, Oh, I'm not as resilient in my relocations as I might've been in my twenties. Um, but you know, leadership in our home, I, my, my husband and I, we've been, we just celebrated 20 years this year, which was like awesome. And then again, back to the, we've been married 20 <laughs> years. I've <laughs> known you longer than, um, I, than I didn't know you <laughs> like, um, and, uh, so for us, it, we really are a team. Like right. we just, you know, I mean, we, 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 when we lean into one another's strengths, we, we have like, um, we just, we, I, 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 that's the best way I know how to describe it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's usually easy. It's not hard. Right. It's a, okay, hey, you know, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? We have a couple of bit different businesses between the two, both of us. We both have regular, you know, day jobs as well. Right. And uh, so it's kind of block and tackle. Okay, you know, hey, can you pay, go pay the carpet guy? Because we had right. carpet redone one, you know, and um, so I would, it feels, it's almost hard to answer that question because we just, we're just a team. We just work stuff out together right. and, um, and just just make it happen. So yeah, and you've been on the podcast a number of times, and I think we went more into depth on that one uh, probably two episodes ago. So yeah, we probably did. Yeah. So yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a the, the great thing. I I'm really fortunate because my my husband is just he's one of those guys that even as strong of a leader as I am, he is not that does not like he he just that doesn't phase him. You right. know, he's like. You know, he just, he, he, he's incredibly strong himself, but oh, yeah, we, we <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and we just, yeah, we just do our thing and it works. And I'm grateful for that because I probably didn't know when I, the 20 something year old self of me who said right. yes probably didn't know how much I would need somebody who could match my energy, but not right. like, you know. So, so normally the last question is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? You've already answered that again on previous podcasts. So I would say um, there are women that are listening and men that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you go back or what would you tell currently um, young female leaders ah. in their 20s? Mm-hmm. Like what advice would you give them? Yeah. At yeah. this point. Yeah, at this point. Um, I would say, uh, you know, for any leader, self-awareness, self-leadership is is key. Like, right. you know yourself, understand yourself, really get a sense of how God has wired and gifted you and, you know, what is what is unique about your your personality and, uh, and know yourself well. Um, and be confident in that. Like, so one of my favorite phrases is humble confidence, right? There's a humility in, we, you know, we, we don't want to be so confident that we tip towards arrogance, but we, so we want to, we want to live with this kind of humble confidence. And that's always the, that's the way I can view it. That helps me keep a healthy perspective on how do I confidently do what I'm doing? And I would say this for young women leaders, um, do not, uh, don't, show up everywhere a door opens and mm-hmm. don't second guess it. Um, in that if you've been invited to the table, sit confidently at that table. If you haven't mm-hmm. been invited to that table yet, well then keep working hard and keep 
diligently doing what you feel called to do until you can sit at that table. If you can, if, if that's a table you can sit at, that's the thing that I feel like, um, if I reflect on the past 20 years of leadership for me is that just being faithful to the doors God opens and not shrinking from them when they do. And that's what I see for, I I saw a lot of that in my generation of leaders is that they would kind of shrink from it, especially in the church culture, because there's nuance to, to that, depending depending on theology and and, yeah, all that. So, um, and so we would, I've seen some leaders kind of shrink from it, even when they were invited in. And I would say, show up if you've been invited, like be present, be there, um, and just stay faithful. I mean, I just, I feel like I, I've, I've, and maybe this is cause I'm not an Enneagram eight. Right. Um, but I've never been one to just kind of bulldoze my way through. Right. But, but when I'm there, I'm going to show up when right. I'm there, I'm going to, I'm going to give everything I have and I'm going to be present. I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to confidently do my thing and be who I feel like I'm, you know, bring my gifts. Right. So sorry, I'm a little rambly on that one. No, it's good. I love it. It's a great question. It's a it's a confidence in God and who He's created you to be issue more than it's a it's not a confidence in myself. It's no, a confidence in yeah. God and who's created me to be. Yes. And being that person. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And if He's opened the door, then show up, walk through that door. If He you know, if you're there, God's op- God's made the way for you to be there. And don't second guess that. Actually, my husband, one of my book releases, he kind of busted me in the chops about this one, not not figuratively, not literally. Um, but he uh, he said, Jen, because I was I was I was wrestling with self promotion, right? right? Of like, so here's this this book I've got coming out, and I'm you know I'm excited and I want to share it, and there's a hustle behind that that you've oh, sure. kind of have to do. But I was wrestling with self promotion, and he said, Jen, it's not about you. He said, Do you feel like God gave you this message? Yes. Do you feel like he opened the doors for you? So this goes back to our yeah. like <laughs> dynamics at home, right? Do you feel like he opened the doors for you to get a publishing deal and to be able to write this book? And he gave you the gifts to be able to write the book. He gave you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's not about you. Get out there and share it right. because you want people to to like be impacted by what God is like put on your heart. And uh, that was probably one of the most helpful like kind of you know, pep talks yeah. that, uh, that I got in that season. I think that's the same for, you know, for younger leaders is, yeah, you've got to, if, if, if God's opening the doors and he's given you whatever it is, you know, whatever role you're playing or whatever you're sharing, you've got to show up. Good deal. Well, uh, thanks for the conversation. Thanks for your yeah. time today. Thanks for coming in. And being yeah. In thanks, the for, thanks for having me. It was good to finally got to see the new Lifeway digs. Oh, it's awesome. So great. So thanks, Todd. Fun to be here. Absolutely. And thank you guys for listening. Please hop on over to Amazon. Not Amazon. Actually, yeah, go ahead and hop on to Amazon and uh, pick up Four Dimensions of the Leader. <laughs> <Clout>. <laughs> then hop to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Perfect. Thanks for listening.